The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Brought to you by Atco Energy. Here's Patrick Maroon clutching a loose puck on the left half boards. Feathered across. Ripped into the back of the net by Mark Latestu. His second of the night. And that was an absolute rocket. Mark Latestu firing away on the power play as we've seen him do in the past. He scores two tonight. One at even strength, one on the PP. The Oilers get five in total here at Rogers Place, knocking off the Calgary Flames 5-2. It was 5-0. Calgary gets two goals in the last four minutes for a little bit of window dressing. Down the highway, Calgary also got the last two goals of the game, and that made it a lot tighter, but the Oilers win that one as well, 5-4. Drake Kajula scoring twice for Edmonton in that one. So for the second straight year, the Oilers open the preseason with a split squad sweep of their provincial rivals. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 9.55, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. I'm Reed Wilkins, joined by Rob Brown. Hey, we want to talk to you, 780-496-0063. You can also text us to 630-630. Just some other stats tonight. Oilers here at Rogers, 3 for 12 on the power play. Flames were 1 for 5. Talbot stopped what he had to in net, made a couple great saves in the second period, 11 saves on 11 shots. Eddie Pasquale for the Oilers, 12 saves on 14 shots. As I mentioned, he was beaten twice late in the game. So, Rob, we knew coming into this one that this was the better of the two Oilers lineups that they were icing tonight, and we knew that this was the, the weaker of the two Flames lineups they were icing tonight. And through the first 20 minutes, that was extremely evident. It, it was. The Oilers came out and they looked like a team that was had a number of NHL players on and the Calgary Flames looked like an American League roster and it played out that way as the game went on. The Oilers built a big lead. They took control of the game and I'm sure that had the penalties not been called and taken a lot of the flow out of the game, it would have continued. But I think the score is indicative of the way the game went. The Oilers were the better team with the better players. Uh, got a couple good breaks. Obviously, the Nugent Hopkins goal was a, a good break for the Edmonton Oilers. But I, I think it was expected what we saw tonight. The players that you would expect to be their better players were. They got good goaltending. Top line looked good, got a couple goals, and I thought the Latestu line was very strong as well. So a good night, a good start to the exhibition season for the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers had a 8 nothing shot advantage five minutes into the game, and uh, then just after that they scored. It was actually 10 nothing before the Flames got a shot on goal. Uh, with six and a half minutes left in the first period, 2 nothing Edmonton, Emil Poirier has an open net from the puck was basically right on the one of the sidelines of the crease in behind Talbot and he shot it all the way through the crease and hit the goal post and that was one of those things where either even further evidence that it wasn't going the Flames way and uh, Poirier himself wound up in the penalty box a couple times. Well, I actually didn't get a shot on goal. Just no. got credit for the, the missed shot uh, on that one. So, yeah, Ed Edmonton took control of the game. Obviously, the second period, Calgary answered back mm -hmm. a little bit as, as you would expect and I, I'm sure the Oilers dialed it back a little bit being up uh, being up 3 nothing. All right, 780-496-0063. We want to talk about some of the individuals that we were watching tonight because that'll be part of the story as well. We'll have post-game reaction from the Oilers' dressing room. We're going to get head coach Todd McClellan right away here. But on the phones, well, look at this, Rob. We got an old favorite to start us off tonight. It's Rocket on line one. Rocket, good to hear from you. Hear from you guys too, and uh, welcome back, Rob. I hope you had uh, an excellent summer, and it was—I uh, heard it was relaxing, and everything was good, and the BC fires and all that jazz. But uh, thank God, everybody's uh, everybody's good there. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, it was a wonderful summer, and now right back into hockey season for the next, well, hopefully eight, nine, ten months, however long it takes to see the a victory parade here in downtown Edmonton. Well, my birthday is June tenth. So I'm hoping uh, it goes past that point, which um, is generally right around the Stanley Cup final. Well, or so. they sweep the Stanley Cup final, so we're done by your birthday. <laughs> and we can be, celebrate on your birthday. Too. We'll bring the cup over for your birthday. 
Hey, that would be so sweet. That's awesome. But you know what? I agree with you 100%, Rob. Uh, I think uh, the game tonight was was exactly as expected. I was a little kind of nerve-wracked going into it because, I, you know, you always have that, you know, how are they going to do? Is everybody going to be back and in shape and, you know, um, the whole nine yards? But it it seems like um, this team has an extra energy about them. and it, it, I think it comes from what happened last year and, and, and the excitement, obviously, with Connor McDavid and, and the signings and, and, and going into this season. It seems like they have a little bit extra jump in their step. And I just wanted to uh, see what you thought about that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the, the excitement that they experienced last year in the playoffs, which a lot of the guys haven't experienced here, I think that catapulted them into the summer and I think what this team has that sets them apart maybe from teams in the past here in the, in, in the recent past is I think they've got a very good dressing room I think this is a tight group that enjoy being around each other they enjoy playing for each other and, and when a leader and, and possibly the best player in the world right now Connor McDavid uh, sets the tone with his work ethic then everyone's following, and so they, they. This team came in in shape. They have the the coaching staff now has had a number of these players for one, two, three years, and they're prepared. And this is, and I love what Todd McCullen does too. I mean, you know what your your lineup is going to be on the first day of the the opening night because he's showing you it in the first exhibition game. Here's who I want to play with. I hope that they have success in exhibition because this is how I want my lineup to to go. And he's given these players good reps so that they are prepared to get off to a good start at the beginning of the season in October. Rocket, great to hear from you. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the phone number tonight. Just some. Stats, highlights for the Oilers this evening. Patrick Maroon gets three points, a goal, and two assists. Mark Letestu scores twice. Connor McDavid has two assists. Strom gets one and one. Assists for Nurse, Packerin, and Caleb Jones as well. The face-offs, 51% for the Oilers tonight, including Nugent Hopkins going 9 for 16 for 56%. McDavid going 6 for 10 and uh, Latestu going 8 for 14. Uh, Grayson Downing took nine draws, only won two of them. So the Oilers uh, established centers, the guys who are going to be on the lineup all above 50% tonight, which, again, preseason, but something that will be tracked given that was a weakness on the team last year. It will, but they weren't going against they a lot of Calgary Flames centermen, so yeah. they should have an advantage in, in that. And and one of the t- talking about face-offs, I think it's something that I hadn't seen is the the face-off infraction penalty? Oh right, that that's Calgary... another one. Jeez. Now is this is this a new? Uh, rule? This was the. You know what? I gotta even check what was called there. I, I think it might have been the way he lined up. I mean, he was confused. The kid that got the penalty because he was questioning on the way to the penalty box. So there's a little bit of everything when it came with the referees calling penalties tonight. So, um, but but yeah, I mean, the Oilers centermen should win face-offs because they're playing against inferior talent. And they did, so I, it's a positive. But it really meant not a whole lot until they started lining up against, you know, the Getzlaffs and the Thorntons and the Kopitars and, and, and the strong centermen in the Western Conference. So there, in the Leafs-Senators games, there were three face-off violation penalties in the first 24 minutes of the game. <laughs> uh, I'm, just, I'm just reading an article with... Uh, a, a lot of funny tweets on it from people who are watching the games. So here's, yeah, you have to have your feet on either side of the marking now. So you can't let. <laughs> which which is funny because when here's, here's, when so I played, we you, you could do whatever you wanted. Right. The players taking part shall take their position so that they will stand squarely facing their opponent's end of the rink and clear of the ice markings. So you can't be. They're taking the cheating out of the, the They're face-offs. trying to take the cheating out of the so so see this so this is legal if the guys are spread their feet spread across behind those two stems of the T, right? So uh, to me, this is such a minor, it's a very technical thing. Yeah, and, and again, and if we get back to the old thing, Rob, game seven overtime of a playoff series, and they kick out the best centerman, yeah, or, or give him a penalty, because yeah. his skate goes half a foot. Yeah, I think they they worry about too many little things and just just let them play hockey. 
All right. Uh, we'll talk more about the officiating tonight. It is game one of the preseason, so I don't want to go overboard with it, but it is worth the discussion. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Arnie on the line. Arnie, thanks a lot for calling. Hi. Uh, oh, and it, it has to do with this officiating. And uh, I remember a comment from um, one of the broadcasters about uh, the uh, experience of that particular official. And so I'm myself, he's just trying to set a precedent in that this is the rules you're supposed to follow. And he wants a job, right? Like, no, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, yeah, Corey Savret yeah, was the yeah, younger okay. official tonight. Okay, let's fast forward to playoffs. Guaranteed it's going to be different. And, and that's been the way of the NHL from the very get-go. It really has. I'm not saying it to criticize that particular official or the NHL. What I'm thinking is that we're setting the precedent now. We're giving the players an opportunity to adjust to what we're doing in preseason. February, it ain't going to be the same. How many of those penalties are going to be called? Well, I I think you make a fair point. I I don't think they will enforce the game this strictly once we get into February. I I, I think there's, there's two ways to look at this. A, as a, as a fan and a viewer, you will either agree, disagree, or partially agree with the standard that they were trying to establish tonight. And here's the thing, Rob, we often heard last season, especially in the playoffs, when Connor McDavid was changing lines and was stepping into the bench and Ryan Kessler mm-hmm. would slash him or mm-hmm. grab his hip and try to spin him around or he would be breaking down the wing and would take a slash on the hands and lose the puck and it wasn't called. Mm -hmm. We heard, let's call those penalties. And I I would fully agree. And tonight we see, uh, I think it was Eric Griba, barely get a tap on the glove (laughs) and and the Calgary player goes to the penalty box. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if if there are some fans out there tonight saying, to heck with it. Call everything till they absolutely don't, don't do it. I think most people are thinking they don't want to see a power play with or a game with. Uh, well, 18, it, wasn't it wasn't really a game. It yeah. was just an ongoing power play. Uh, so that so that's topic one. I think discussion point two is is does the NHL and the officials have the guts to put it, to put it bluntly to continue this deep into the season and still say on February 24th, darn it, you can't put your stick on a guy's glove. And if it's February 20th and two teams are playing for first place, we're going to have a game with 20 power plays. To me, those are the two ways to look at it. Yeah, well, they're not. They never do. They always start in the exhibition and call everything, and then eventually they call a little bit in the the regular season, then they call absolutely nothing in the playoffs. I mean, if it's a knee-jerk reaction of what happened in the playoffs, we'll make the calls. the, The NHL rules were in place in the playoffs. They just chose not to make those calls. And that was silly because that's when guys are getting hurt because they're not making calls on play, play, plays that were blatant, plays that would, could have been four- or five-minute penalties during the regular season. So just make the call. I mean, tonight, I mean, it became boring. Honestly, this game became boring because the one referee took it away. And I, I know it's exhibition and it's not going to be like that come the regular season. But seriously, we had to sit through that. It just wasn't fair for everyone sitting here tonight because the game started so good and there was entertainment and eventually just became dumb penalty after dumb penalty after dumb penalty. So if I have to sit through that again, I'm, I'm right. Well, but I, I don't think you will. And, and might, look, it might I, next exhibition. Might, game, we might for a few ex- exhibition yes. games. No, you're also going to have, once you get into the NHL, you'll have established refs, more yep. established refs, more established players. And look, this, this is the time for young officials to get a shot. Oh, too. you're right. Like yeah. we always say, they're getting evaluated. Um, so, I, I mean, this ref who called a lot maybe is coming in and saying, okay, my boss has specifically told me to do this, and Brad Meyer, who's been around more, might be saying, like, okay. Uh, so I, I, I don't I, – I guess I'm saying uh, – my message would be don't go overboard about this on, no, on September no, 18th not. to the fans. I understand the game itself, like you said, might have lacked some flow. 
and I agreed there were several penalties. I wasn't sure what was called, and then yeah. I saw the replay, and I still wasn't, wasn't sure, totally yeah. sure. I kind of had an idea, though there were also blatant penalties. Yeah. I mean, Eric Greibel was tackled. Oh, that absolutely. One time. Ryan Nugent Hopkins was drilled in the mm-hmm. back, blatantly yeah. drilled yeah. drilled in the back. So we shouldn't make it sound like there were 17 mystifying power plays tonight. There no, might have been 15, six or seven. 15, 14, <laughs> somewhere along there. All right, there you go. 7804960063. The Oilers do win. Uh, here at Edmonton, 5-2. They won in Calgary, 5-4. Rob and I did not see that game, so full disclosure there because we were here watching this one. I've seen a couple highlights. Kyler Yamamoto, the Oilers' first-round draft pick from this past summer, scored a beauty. He intercepted a pass, stick-handled in, and put one short-side roof for uh, what turned out to be a big goal because the Flames rallied in that one, 5-4. The Oilers do win it, 7-8-0-4-9-6-0-0-6-3. All right, uh, we're going to get more post-game reaction here from you, but first, let's go down to the dressing room. One of the new Oilers, here's winger Ryan Strom. Game speed back, and um, I think that's really all you can really draw from a game like that. Is it going to be a bit of a learning curve for you guys? To I'm not sure how tight they're going to keep calling this stuff, but there'll be a little bit of learning. Yeah, I know for sure it's a wake-up call. I think uh, you know for so many years they've kind of let it slip a little bit, and now they're calling it tight again. So um, you know it's definitely a different aspect of the game, and I don't think in the regular season we're going to see that many power plays. But um, you know it's definitely kind of good to get that out of the way now and uh, get our good habits back. This morning you were kind of saying you were a little bit nervous, excited. I mean, how did that kind of translate to the way the night went, the way the game felt with you on that line and with the new team? Yeah, I think, uh, like I just say, I think you just draw from the pauses. I don't think you really want to you know, look too in-depth at a game like that. It was just so many power plays. It's tough to get in a bit of a rhythm. So, uh, all in all, I had fun. You know, it was great to get the Oilers sweater on, get out there and warm up. And, uh, you know, I, I was really excited. So, um, you know, we won the game and uh, we'll move on and, you know, keep getting better. Got one in the scrimmage the other day, a couple more. I mean, I know it's just scrimmages in preseason, but anytime the puck's going in for you, does that feel good? Yeah, no, for sure. I think uh, I think there's one or two I could have shot again even. So I think just kind of keep that shot mentality and uh, just keep the game simple. I think if you overthink it, and especially in the early on here, it's going to get kind of complicated. So just try to get the puck on net, and uh, hopefully good things keep happening. First goal tonight, you knew it wasn't yours? Yeah, I went over and told the ref it's... Uh, Patty's goal, so. Oh, okay. I said good karma early in the preseason. Read that, Ryan Strom. All right, Brendan Ulrich working the Oilers dressing room once again for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. At this time of year especially, we get a lot of questions on the text line about individual players. We're going to try and work through as, as many as possible, so, uh, so be patient. But let, let's start with Ryan Strom. Uh, you know, again, game one. Uh, but they want him to shoot the puck. He uh, led the team. Five shots on goal. A couple missed the net. Does get a goal tonight. So, you know, again, not always top quality competition. Most of the Flames' best D-men were in Calgary, but you can only play the, the team that you were, I, I guess. I, I thought he I thought he had some good moments. He looked fairly comfortable. He did. That line was very good. Now, obviously, Connor McDavid's running the line, and, and he was flying out there tonight, and he's creating for his line mates. But, you know, Strom was in the right place at the right time on his goal. Uh, the Patrick Maroon goal that they took away from Strom again, if Maroon doesn't put it in the net, Strom was as well. They both shot the puck at the same time. So again, hanging around the net, Strom's not a big man, but he knows where to be. And I think that's what he's going to have to learn when you're playing with Connor McDavid. you got to get A, open, and, and B, you've got to be ready. And I, I think we saw that tonight. Now, it's one game, but I can tell you, if as a, an offensive player, you want to get off to a good start. And he did. You know, if he goes two, three exhibition games to start out here with Edmonton with no points, no goals, no good looks, then you start pressing. But you go to the first exhibition game against a a bad team, you still have to be able to feel good about yourself. And after this game, I'm sure he does. Yeah, I mean, I I like the fact that he was around the net. Mm -hmm. Like like you said, jamming at pucks and... You know whether the 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 four inch goals count the same as the forty yeah. foot goals. Maybe they don't always get, make your eyes pop out of the head ahead as much. I mean, there's going to be probably at least for the first half of the season until we really see Strom settle in. There might be some inevitable comparisons uh, uh, to Jordan Eberle. Probably not entirely fair. I mean, even Todd made the point the other day. Strom, you know, is a little bigger and, and plays a little more physical game, um, and. 
you know, Jordan shot more. Mm-hmm. As we talked about in the playoffs, Jordan's shot selection and the distance of his shot wasn't always ideal to scoring. So, yep. you know, I think they want Strom to shoot it quickly. I think he did get one one-timer away at one point, and there were a couple other times he looked like he got that pass from McDavid and then, you know, realized, oh, yeah, I, I just got to whip it here. So, yeah. you know, that's that's all he can, can do for now. And it's, it's nice, I think, Rob, that... You know, and any good coach will do this, obviously, especially in the NHL. But I mean, day one of training camp. Okay, here's a priority, right? Here's here's things you got to do. So you know, now it's a constant goal that he can work on and be reminded of. Well, and, and what I like about Todd, not all coaches are like this. What I like about him is he tells you what he wants from you. So then, at the end of the day, if you don't do it, well, it's on you. You're not guessing what they want to see from you. They're telling you right away. There's one moment, though, during the game, and, and it was just its so unfair playing with a Connor McDavid. Strom's flying up the ice, and McDavid's coming up with the puck. And McDavid just went flying by him. And I'm like, Strom looks slow there. <laughs> and it's only because he's going against one of the fastest players in the world who just goes flying by him. But, yeah, no, I thought it was a, a, a first good audition playing with Connor McDavid, and he, he, he probably gets a B-plus on the night tonight. So a, a good start in his NHL Edmonton Oilers career. Good start to the preseason for your Edmonton Oilers. They win 5-4 in Calgary. They win 5-2 here at Rogers Place. We have open phone lines, 780-496-0063. We have more post-game reaction coming up from both dressing rooms along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Well, Yervi lost the battle down the right hand side. Here's Rivik with a shot off the rush and a nice save by Cam Talbot. That might be his best stop of the night. He has not been tested that often. All right, our save of the game is back for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Cam Talbot, the only goaltender not to get scored on in this game tonight. 11 saves on 11 shots. Oilers win 5-2 at Rogers Place. In Calgary, they win 5-4. Drake Kajula gets a couple of goals there. And uh, Laurent Brassois, 12 saves on 13 shots. Nick Ellis, 17 saves on 20 shots. I'm Reed Wilkins. Rob Brown is here as well. We'll go back down into the Oilers dressing room in a couple of minutes to uh, check in with Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. You can text us at uh, 630-630. This is from Topher who says, call me crazy, but I love that they are calling the infractions now. There's four teams. I think this helps. The Oilers are at the top of the list. With McDavid and Latestu and Benning quarterbacking from the blue line, the sky's the limit when it comes to points this year. Uh, on a downer, though, Jesse Pugliarvi looks absolutely horrible so far. Uh, all right, I, that's from Topher. I, I don't know if Jesse Pugliarvi was horrible tight. I, I thought he had a couple good shifts where he looked a little more comfortable than last year. You know, he, he tried getting a one-timer off on a couple of power plays. Uh, but again, if he's going to play top-nine role... You're going to have to probably see it more often. Yeah, honestly, I didn't notice him tonight. Um, I know the one power play you talked about where they tried setting him up back to our a few times. He didn't get him on net. Uh, yeah, no, it was uh, an average to below average night for, for Pliarvi. He needs to be better. He needs to be noticed in a positive light. He's fighting for a spot. Uh, there's other players that are pretty safely on this team. He's not one of them. And he's got a skill set and a size that the Oilers would love to have in their top six, possibly top nine. It wasn't there tonight for him. But then again, it is the first exhibition game. And I'm sure he's going to get a lot of games in here over the next couple of weeks is they want to see him show the improvement that will allow him to start the season here. Yeah, well, and he did last year. Didn't obviously play a lot in the regular season. I mean, we had games he played seven, nine yeah. minutes here for about half the year. I, yeah, good, good call for him. Like, he's one of the guys – I mean, we were talking before the show about – you know, is it is it a is it a tryout? Well, for him, it's a little. Mm-hmm. The games are a little more significant. Yep. I mean, Connor McDavid could have been minus four tonight and not want to face off. <laughs> he's he's on the team to use an extreme example. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I. I I, 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 I don't think he was horrible. No, like, he, like he wasn't Topher horrible. Said, and I, I actually thought. You know, I, I noticed him a little bit more in the first half of the game. Um, I thought he looked a little more comfortable than he did last year. Now, the comparison to last year 
because there were some games he hardly played or or looked mm-hmm. or looked a little like he was still finding his finding his footing. So the comparisons to last year, maybe that's kind of a low bar for him to to have to jump over. He, he probably looked more comfortable in his own zone. I think the one thing that we saw last year, just learning the the systems, and he, he wasn't. Uh, always in the right spot. I think he was much more comfortable, much more positionally sound tonight, but he, there was not a whole lot of jump in his game. And in a game where he was playing against subpar talent, he should have shone a little bit more than we saw out of him tonight. Yeah, that's a fair comment. The Oilers do win at 5-2 here at Rogers Place. They are coached, of course, by Todd McClellan. His reaction for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. For sticks that come off the ice and get up into the the hand-hip area. And, um, you know, we're trying to stress to our guys, there's, there's no sense going up there with your stick anyhow. Nothing good can come out of it. Keep it down on the ice and uh, check that way. So... The whole league's going to have to get used to that part, and then I'm sure you're going to ask me about face-offs as well. And um, we had some linesmen, or the linesmen tonight came in and talked to our players about that new standard and how strict it's going to be called. And we saw the uh, the double uh, um, toss-out and then the, the uh, penalty for it. So uh, they are going to be that strict right off the bat. I'm sure that will uh, will adjust to it. The other teams will adjust to it, and it probably won't be as big a factor later on in the year, but it certainly will early. <coughs> That's okay, Jason, I can hear. Yeah, you're sorry. You're one of the guys back in, in when they came out of the lockout where they cracked down and it lasted all year long. From a coaching perspective, what did you learn from that that you're going to tell this group to, I guess, stick with it, not frustrated? Because obviously, if they stick to those new guidelines, they'll be significant more penalists. Absolutely. In in 05, when uh, when the changes really began for hooking and holding, and uh, after that 05 lockout, when we came out of it, um, I believe I was in Detroit. We had well over 500 power plays that year. And that's how important that that unit and the, the penalty kill units become. We saw that tonight with all the the play um, uneven play five on five five or pardon me five on four five on threes both sides. Um, those areas have to be very polished because you're not going to get away with with it uh, throughout the season if the standard stays where it's at. So um, we'll remind our players that we don't want to be taking these penalties, but in the meantime we'll be working on our special teams units probably a little bit more because they'll be required. Uh, Three-point night for Maroon, couple for Strom as well. That lots of power play time you saw with them as well. Just maybe evaluate uh, that unit. Uh, I thought our whole group and them leading, uh, that we were really good early. We were on our toes, we were buzzing, and then it, it kind of changed a little bit in the second period. We got casual and and uh, a little laxed. Um, you know those those guys. You could see they were veterans that had played before and played in uh, in key situations. Connor and Patty and and even Latestu on the power play unit. Stromer fit in well there. Um, whacked at a couple pucks in and around the crease, so it was nice to see him with his nose over it in the in the blue paint. That's where he's going to have to score. Um, you know, but they were uh, they were well established players that had played together before, and you could see it. Um, you know, some of the others that were still trying to figure out their chemistry and stuff. Uh, maybe it wasn't as smooth for them, but uh, a good night all in all. Todd, it's obviously really early, but you mentioned Strom on your power play. Your number one unit last year, end of the season, really strong. Do you look at changing that, or do you plan to start the season with the same? Well, we'll, we'll continue to work and tinker a little bit, but um, our plan isn't to fool around a lot with our uh, with, with Connor's unit anyhow, with Latestu there, and you saw what he can do on the power play again tonight with Latestu there, and Leon assumes a spot. So um, with Strom... Uh, there's time on on another unit, and uh, you know we're looking for a righty that can shoot it. Jesse Pulleyarvi had some uh, some great shooting opportunities and some good scoring chances tonight, but he didn't capitalize on them. He's got to get a shot off quicker. Doesn't have to be as heavy. Just needs to be released a little quicker. Uh, but he'll learn that as we go along. And uh, so there's some some competition for that right-handed shot on the power play unit. Okay, so Todd comments on Jesse Pugliarvi, who we were talking about going into that interview, and that's kind of what you said, Rob. If you're going to be a goal scorer, you got to get the get the shot on net. So hopefully he, you know, that's something he can he can figure out here with a little more experience and a very valid point too. You you could tell 
And even from a Calgary standpoint, though they had fewer experienced guys, you could tell the guys who have played one, two, three, four hundred or, or yeah. more games in the NHL as opposed to guys who have played next to none or who have mostly been in the AHL. Well, you had some of the Oiler players who are not only NHL players but NHL stars or first-line guys or, or guys that have been on the first or second lines. And you've got guys on the Calgary Flames and some guys on the Oilers that not are only minor league players but lower half minor league players. So it's not like you have the top line out of the, uh, the, the the HL team. Like some of those guys are, you know, third, fourth liners down there. So there was a huge discrepancy at times on the ice. There was mismatches, and it showed. But if you ever want to make the jump to the National Hockey League, if you're a minor league player and wants to get up and, and find your way, you've got to know what you have to do to get here. And you're only going to find that out by playing against players that are regular NHL players. So the, the Calgary Flame players that played tonight are not going to be in the NHL this year, but now they know the speed, the size, the strength, things that they need to improve on, and they're better players because of it going home tonight, knowing what they need to improve on. 5-2 Oilers in Edmonton, 5-4 Oilers win in Calgary as we look at the Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard. The Hurricanes knocked off the Sabres 3-2 in overtime. Former U of A Golden Bear Derek Ryan scored twice, including the game winner. The Canadians lose in Boston 3-2. RobNHL.com still tells me no one scored in the game, <laughs> even though it was... I should quit being so mean to the people keeping the uh, preseason scoreboard on the website. The uh, Rangers beat the Islanders 1-0 in overtime. Devils over the Capitals 4-1. The Senators beat up the Maple Leafs 6-2. The Wild knock off the Jets 3-2 in a shootout. The Oilers will be in Winnipeg to play the Jets on Wednesday. We'll have that one for you on 6.30, Jed, with the face-off show at 4.30, and the game will start at 6. You can reach us... At 780-496-0063, you can text 630-630. We have more post-game reaction coming up, not just from Edmonton, but we'll have an interview or two from Calgary as well. I think we're going to hear from Kyler Yamamoto, the Oilers' first-round pick, who uh, was able to get a big goal tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Just some other interesting notes from this game, or I guess uh, highlights. Actually, a couple of Calgary's best chances on Talbot were shorthanded, and by Merrick Hrivik, who had a two-on-one shorthanded about four minutes into the second, and then two whacks all alone in front, where actually Sam Bennett made a really nice play to hang on to the puck and sort of hypnotize the Oilers' defense. Yeah, he made a nice play, but five Edmonton Oilers were sleeping at that one as well, five guys were staring at the puck. Maybe he put them to sleep. Oh, well, he did. It was a wonderful play by him and another a good play by the Flame. Who was it that went to the net there on that one? Rivik. Rivik, a nice play by him getting into the right spot, and Talbot stayed with it. It was a, it was a good move. Uh, Talbot was just a little bit better there, and those were his two best saves on the, the shot and then the rebound. The Flames put the puck in the net <laughs> right at the end of the second period, and uh, the refs quickly talked about it and said no goal, and then they put a replay on the scoreboard, and it was about probably three-tenths of a second after was, the clock hit zero. Wasn't it Stone? Yeah, I think so. He, he made yeah, up for it later. There, he yeah. made up for it later when he shot it in his own net. Or, yeah, well, yeah, earlier he yeah. scored on... Oh, was it earlier that yeah. he scored? Yeah. yeah. So he, he <laughs> so did get a goal today. No, he put it in both nets, beat a goalie on each team, but the only one that counted with, with the Oilers' way. How to make it a positive, I, I think, Rob. No, I... I, I think, exactly. I think, you know, here's the thing about Rob Brown. If you, if you give Rob Brown a glass of water and you say, Rob, is that glass half full or half empty? He'll look at it and say poured into a smaller glass. No, I won't. I'll say throw a little <laughs> vodka in it and then we're all good. How about the, if you get a chance tonight, if someone sees a, a YouTube, I'm sure someone's going to get a clip somewhere about when Stone shot it in his net, you got to see the expression that Nugent Hopkins did right afterwards. He kind of gave a little smirk at Stone like, hey man, thank you. But it's funny, someone's probably going to be able to post that at one point, but uh, the look on Nugent Hopkins face after Stone shoots it in his own net was priceless. All right, Oilers win it 5-2 here in Edmonton. We'll keep rolling. We're coming back after the news break. Canadian Brewers overtime open line from the Osmond Auction Broadcast. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 10.37 along with Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, high above the ice surface at Rogers Place, now high above the scoreboard. They've lowered it right down to... The center circle. That thing's huge. It is huge. Do you remember the first time they they put it on last year? And the Oilers, I'll never forget, because we were on air, and they were coming up for the first preseason game. 
And they, I mean, they kind of showed wide shots in the warm-up, and then they showed the Oilers walking out of the tunnel, and it was head and shoulder shots of the players as they were coming out. We were both like, oh, my God, they're huge. They're coming right for us. Well, and how clear it is, too. It's like <laughs> normally when you get a screen that big, it gets all blurry, but it is unbelievable how large it is right now. And I can't believe, looking at the little teeny wires holding it, well, not, don't bring that up. There's yeah, lots of them, though. There, there's lots, there's of, lots them. of them, but they're really little <laughs> and tiny, and that thing is massive. I wouldn't want to, you know what, I don't think I'm going to take any face-offs at center ice at Rogers anymore. <laughs> I, I, I've talked to people who, who sit in the upper bowl for games, and some of them have told me that their eyes just get drawn to the scoreboard, mm-hmm. even though it's showing what they can see, quote-unquote, live just by moving their eyes down a little bit just because it's 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 so huge but uh, maybe calgary will have a new arena scoreboard someday yeah it won't be any day soon but it would be nice i i was in the saddle dome not too long ago for a concert it is old it is so so old they need a new arena down there and hopefully the calgary maybe the calgary mayor can come up and see what it's done to downtown edmonton and how much well, it's improved. If he's still the mayor in a month, that's <laughs> going to be another story to follow. 5-2, the Oilers win here at Edmonton. They also won in Calgary by the score of uh, 5-4. The coaching staffs were also split for this game. So coaching the Flames here in Edmonton was their assistant, Dave Cameron. Well, we've been hearing all summer about the crackdown on uh, slashing, especially in rules, and your first kind of live view of how it might look. What, uh, what were your thoughts? Well, you heard about it this summer. You seen it tonight. Yeah, it's, and again, it doesn't matter what I think, it's the new standard, and we have to adapt to it. How big of an adjustment is it going to be for guys? You'd have to ask them that. I mean, they'll answer it, but it, there's, it, it's, it's going to be a bit of a change. I mean, the, the instinct is to use your stick to help you get the puck back, and they've tightened up the, the rules on it, and the teams have figured out the quickest they're going to have the biggest advantage. Are the officials communicating that to the players? Are you hearing conversations out there? Yeah, they are. It's good. It's, the officials have done as much as they could to give us a heads up, and it's up to us to adjust. Maybe just your overall thoughts tonight, not the start you wanted, but what no. Did you think? I thought I thought first period, first period we weren't very good at all. You know, we we were just we were working hard, but we we didn't have any real structure, thought process to it. I thought second period we were real good. We you know, we competed more. We did a better job managing the pocket. We were harder, and you know we made we made simple plays. And in the third period, we really didn't give ourselves a chance because we backed up turning box and gave up four more. The other thing that came up tonight and it came up around the league was the illegal off. Sorry, the illegal faceoff. All right, well, Dave Cameron's ability to turn into a robot mid-interview, incredible. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Scott hey, Johnson working the Flames dressing room. It's funny when he, the, the question asked about the penalties, you said, well, it's not up to me on this decision, but we have to adapt more or less saying, hey, I don't like this, but this is the way it's going to be, so we got to be much smarter at it. All right, Oilers win it. Five two. Well, and that's the bottom line. I mean, at game one of the preseason, the coaches aren't going to do any good by no coming out and throwing well, throwing, I, throwing but, a fit about. It. And they want the players to get used to skating and checking fairly and all that kind of stuff. But as he said, the, the, the referees have been very good with the communication. Uh, the players just it's instinct. When when okay, I'm chasing this guy. This is where I've always done my entire life. It's going to be hard right away to be able to. To, to not let your instincts take over. So you're going to see it for a little while, and hopefully uh, it's called better come regular season, and the players are also much better at uh, not making the, the silly moves with their stick to the hands of the opposition player. And there's also a, a difference between a bad rule and a ba- and bad rule enforcement. Yep. Right. If I, if I slash you in the face and the ref is five minutes away and doesn't make a penalty, that's bad rule enforcement because mm-hmm. the ref is not yep. seeing what he should see. If the NHL says if you have white tape on your t- white tape on your stick, it's a minor penalty, you can't blame the ref for calling. That's a that's a bad rule that maybe they have to go back and and think of this. Probably a combination tonight. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But again, you know, ga- game one, September September eighteenth, and. Again, we're we're not talking about every penalty because there were several penalties that would have been a penalty. Uh, several. Um, well, there was at least a few. Okay. Well, I think I'll give you four that. counts as several. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you want, if you want to get into that, uh, five to the final. Hey, uh, for the Oilers, Joey Lalesha got to play with Puliyarvi and and Nugent Hopkins tonight. He and Nugent Hopkins have been friends since they were since they were kids, and. He, 
Leleja is is a fascinating story. He was a defenseman, Bakersfield last year. Lots of injuries up front. He goes, plays forward, and he finishes the season with 20 goals, which is a pretty respectable total in the AHL uh, as well. He uh, you know looked pretty good in the scrimmages on the weekend. Okay, there are the scrimmages. How, how do you think he played tonight? Uh, I, I thought he was fine. I thought he's better than Pugliarvi, and, and they played as a line together. I thought Nugent Hopkins was good. Uh, I, I when, when I played hockey, I was a defenseman until my third year of junior, and in junior hockey, I switched from defense to forward, and I and it's not easy. And I was doing it at a junior level with, with kids that were going to be playing beer league a year later. He's doing it at the National Hockey League level now where some of the best players in the world he's going to be going out night after night with. And, and the little things, you know, his skill set is very good. And as we heard RNH talk earlier, he always was an offensive defenseman, so he's got very good offensive instincts. It's going to be the little things, how to get a puck coming around the boards. When you get the puck in your own zone, where do you look to move it first? Absorbing a hit to protect the puck on the boards. In the offensive zone, where to go on the forecheck, when to jump, when to back off. These are things that are going to take him a little bit longer to to be able to adapt to. Uh, I don't see him starting the season here. I think he's going to need more seasoning at this position in the minors. But his skill set is very, very good. And what we've seen, and I know that Bob Stoffer talked to him earlier today, what we've seen around the National Hockey League, there's a lot of players at his size that are having success at the National Hockey League level because they're skilled and because they're smart. And he's got both of those assets in his repertoire. So, yeah, I, I, I think that when he was first, and he talked about when he first was told, you know, we want you to play forward, ooh, I guess there goes my chances as a defenseman in this organization. But he took it as a positive, and he made himself a good winger, and now he's just got to continue to make steps forward, and one day we will see him at the National Hockey League level. How long we'll see him for will depend on how well he adapts. Yeah, I mean, he's 25, mm-hmm. so it's interesting... You know, a guy whose NHL career could possibly be starting soon after a few years in the minors. And he played at the University of Denver. He was a Hobie Baker finalist, so he was an excellent collegiate player. But you, you mentioned the intelligence. And there were a couple times tonight when, and Rob, we talk, especially when we get into the regular season, you and I talk about those areas just inside either blue line. Do you get it deep or, or do you get it out, depending whether you're attacking or defending? And there were a couple... I thought good plays he made just inside his own blue line with body position, you know, knowing where the puck was going to be and taking that split second to make the right play with the puck. You know, one time it was just, I'm just flipping this out. There was another play he made a nice little short pass to Nugent Hopkins to get the puck out. I think that was back in the first period. So as as fast as the game is and as, 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 you know, as physical it can be, that's one thing that players learn, and you and I have seen it a lot watching the game and you playing it, that yes, it's fast, but you, you, can, you don't always have to rush. And sometimes young players rush, you know, inexperienced players rush, and he seemed to have just a little more of that patience and positioning in his game. Well, what it is with him is obviously he's had some experience at the minor league level, but he's smart, so he's not getting the puck and then deciding what to do with the puck. He knows what he's going to do with it before he gets it. And it, it sounds easy, and it sounds like common sense, but it's not completely common at this level. There, Guys will get the puck, hey, now what do I do? And in that split second as they're trying to think, now the, the, the passing lane is gone. The defender is now closer. You've lost your opportunity to make the play that you needed to make, and now you're in panic mode. So what you've seen with him, there's no panic because he already knows where he wants to put the puck, and that's the, the hockey IQ that he has. And the other thing that he has in a, as an advantage, and you're seeing it with certain teams around the National Hockey League, salary cap comes into play. When you've got in Chicago when you've got in Pittsburgh, when you've got now in Edmonton, two or three players taking up a big chunk of your salary, you need to find players that are good enough to play at the National Hockey League level and contribute, but at a very affordable price point. So a player like him, you know what? There's going to be an opportunity here because they need to have contracts that can fit into what they've got here as a salary st- structure. So just because he's 25 doesn't mean now ooh, he's missed his, his, his chance to be here. There will be opportunities for him to play at this level 
if he continues to make strides going forward. Talking about Joey Laleja on the left wing tonight in Edmonton, helping the Oilers win 5-2 over the Flames in Calgary. Split squad action. The Oilers also win 5-4. Kyler Yamamoto had a goal. Here he is. What was that like I mean, going out there in the National Hockey League game? Um, first period was definitely nerve-wracking, but, uh, you know, my line mates Kelly and uh, JJ, they definitely helped me settle down. And, um, you know, I thought I went pretty good. You like you can feel the needle sort of sliding into the relaxed zone after you get your feet under you a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was yeah, it was it was a bit scrambly first period, but um, you know after that I think I slowed down and um, started to play my game. Yeah, that's cool. Like it's a very one. Unbelievable. Um, you know, words can't really describe it. It was uh, crazy. I didn't even know the puck went in, but uh, um, they all started celebrating. And, you know, I was in a little bit of shock, but it was an awesome feeling. They had a strong lineup on defense. And they're, they're top four guys who are, you know, maybe one of the better defenses in the league. Does that give you a sense of, you know, what you'll be in store for one day? And how do you think it, you dealt with it? Yeah, uh, they, they definitely had some good D in there. But, um, you know, it definitely uh, gave me a picture on, um, you know, hopefully what I'll be facing in the future and um, what I need to you know work toward where do you think you are now in that respect um you know i'm getting there um you know every day you know i'm getting better so um you know i think i'm almost there but um you know every day i'm going to try to get better and um, hopefully i'll be there um, in a couple games Kyler Yamamoto, thanks to EdmontonOilers.com for getting us that audio. He has a goal and an assist in Calgary. He scored an unassisted marker a minute 50 into the third. It put the Oilers up 5-2, stands up as the winner as uh, Brody and Jankowski got third-period goals after that. Drake Kajula scored twice down the highway. Jujar Kara had a goal. I saw some highlights uh, of him tonight. Looked like he had a pretty good game. Lucic, Dreisaitl getting assists as well tonight. Brassois and Ellis were the goaltenders. Brassois makes 12 saves on 13 shots. Ellis 17 on 20. So the Oilers uh, do get the split. And as you heard, Rob Tichkowski from uh, Post Media asking there, I mean, that if that was a better Calgary lineup, you know, with uh, Backlund, Goudreau, Monaghan, uh, Furlan, Jankowski, Giordano, Brody, Hamilton, and Hamannick as the mm-hmm. top 4D. Uh, you know, Mike Smith was one of the two goalies that, that played tonight. So you might have expected it to be more like this for the home team, but the Oilers did pretty well down there. Uh, they did, and it, it's a good confidence boost for, for some of the young players that down there that had success because they weren't playing against an American Hockey League team. They were playing against a strong Calgary exhibition team, and they went out and, and, and proved themselves. So uh, you, when you're an offensive player, and we just listened to one there being interviewed, you do not want to have zeros beside your name through a long stretch. I know these points don't count individually when when the league starts, but it gives you confidence. And there's a lot of pressure on some young kids coming in here. There's high expectations, so it's always nice to start off on a, on a positive note. And some of the young kids that have come in have done that here in the first night. So Yamamoto, we'll, we'll see if he gets any more preseason games. I can tell you that the Oilers have assigned defenseman William Lagesson to his uh, team in the Swedish Hockey League for the upcoming season. We knew that was going to happen, just a matter of when. So he gets a, a game in tonight. I, I think, and this is interesting about the I mean, it's it's... It shows you how things have changed from uh, when would have it been four years ago, Dallas Aiken saying, I have two centers on the team. <laughs> and now, really, I mean, if Chris Kelly hangs around, you factor in Kajula and Strom, you could have six, seven guys who could at least competently play center. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not their ideal position, but, it, but if you needed a guy, uh, they could step in. And, you know, a team that was short on defense – you know, Secura, Larson, Clefbaum, Russell are all going to be here for the next at least four years, depending on who you're talking about. You know, Bending and Nurse it could wind up being here for a while. And then you have the younger guys, Jones and Bear were together tonight. Lagus and another guy. You know, I think Bob made a good point. You get Jones and Bear in the fourth and fifth round, respectively. Hopefully you hit on one. Lagason, you see, Lagason seemed to be one of those guys. I mean, I saw him play at Penticton and the Oilers rookies, and... You don't notice him a lot, but again, maybe he's just one of those defensemen, quiet, play, get get the puck out, uh, avoid trouble. So, again, hopefully these are some guys, two, three years, that they're, that they're going to keep pushing up. Well, and Bob said it best that Peter Shirelli has come in and stocked the cupboards. You know, there were times here where the Oilers would have injuries, and you're looking, oh, my God, who can they call Who's up? This guy? Yeah. yeah, and we'd get we'd get phone calls. Who are the Oilers going to bring up? I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough because there's really nobody that stands out down there, and now there's competition. 
about which players come up. So you got guys not only that can fill the need up here, but you've got two or three guys in each position that are going to be pushing to be that guy getting called up. And the way that we've seen in the National Hockey League, injuries are very prevalent, and, and teams' seasons can go sideways if they don't have players and depth players that can come up and fill spots while players are hurt. So Peter Shirelli and the scouting staff have done a very good job of, uh, of filling the cupboards, and they now have depth at, at the positions, and important positions they have depth, as you said, like at center. A, a guy to keep an eye on, too, is possibly a 6 7 eight. D in the organization for this season is uh, Ryan Stanton, a St. Albert native, 28 years old. He's played 100 and some games in the NHL. Uh, I, I, I did a great interview with him. I think we'll run it next. He didn't wind up playing tonight, so I'll probably run it in the face-off show on, on Wednesday. But again, you know, okay, he's not a superstar, but he's comfortable in the NHL. He can give you some games. He can, he can play a depth role if you need him. Well, you don't want a, a superstar as your 7th, 8th defense. Well, you right, want, but you don't yeah, but yeah. You, you want a guy that can come in there and play safe. And that's what he can do, and that's what the Oilers have a number of other guys that can come in and just play that nice, safe game. You can put them out there, feel confident that if you're on the road and they're line matching against you, that he's not going to hurt you. So, yeah, the Oilers needed some depth players. Uh, losing, obviously, uh, uh, Reinhardt in the in the expansion draft. You needed to fill fill that spot again. Well, and the they traded that. Davidson. I mean, yep. that's the thing. They, they traded a couple guys yeah, who reviewed his That's one I never... We talked about it when they traded Davidson. We didn't understand it because we knew that they were going to probably lose either he or Reinhardt in the expansion draft for a player that was going to be here just for a bit time. But the Oilers felt that they could find other players that could fill the need, and, and they seem to have done that. Let's head down into the Flames dressing room one last time. Uh, Sam Bennett was actually pretty good for them tonight. Here's Scott Johnson with Sam. Your playmaking abilities a couple times tonight. It doesn't end up on the, the score sheet, but happy with the vision and, and that kind of stuff tonight? Yeah, I mean, it is it is only preseason, so um, you can't look too much into it. But, uh, um, you know, like I said, I, I was thought I felt pretty good out there. So, um, you know, it's just... Still a little disappointed with the outcome, and um, you know, but again, it's, it is preseason. Camille, have anything to say when you guys got back to the the bench after the one? Uh, no, we. I didn't even want to say anything to him. He knew, and um, so it happens to everyone. Um, just shake it off, and I'm sure if he gets another chance like that, he's going to bury it. We've been hearing all summer about this crackdown on on slashing. Uh, you know, only one night of implementation, but. What was it like out, out there with the, I guess, reinforced or more enforced rules? Yeah, it's it's definitely different from uh, at the last, you know, full game I played with playoffs, and you know, I feel like they let everything go there, and um, you know they're they're calling it really tight. So um, you know, it's it, it is it's going to be a big adjustment, but um, you know, it's the same for for both teams. So. Um, you know, our guys, we, we got to do a better job of staying out of the box. How are they communicating to you and letting you know what's acceptable and what's not? Uh, well, you know, I think really preseason, it's it's the, the main tester and see how much you can get away with. And, um, you know, right now it's it's not a lot. If there's a tap right in the hands um, and it's in front of the ref, you just going to get called. So you got to stay away from that. Well, a little robot talk there from Sam Bennett in the Flames dressing room as well. The Oilers win on home ice 5-2. They win in Calgary 5-4. Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 7.30. The Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss will be on from 7.30 to 8. Next broadcast is Wednesday. Oilers at Winnipeg, 4.30 face-off show. Game will start at 6. You can always get more on 630Ched.com. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place. And thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, back at the 630 Jet Broadcasting Compound. On behalf of Rob Brown, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre.